Section fifty four, volume three, chapter twenty of Mrs. Armitage or Female Domination by Mrs. Gore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter twenty. May ye live to see another as I see you now, decked in your rights as you are stalled in mine. Shakespeare many anxious hours were devoted at holywell to consultation between arthur armytage and his two counsellors ending in a determination that he should set out on the following day to trace stage by stage the route pursued by his mother but the early part of the morrow brought tidings rendering the expedition superfluous a letter written from an inn on the road acquainted her son that she was about to take refuge with her nearest relative at maudsley hall till the law should decide upon their adverse pretensions arthur was deeply hurt mrs armytage seemed resolved to look upon and treat with him as with an enemy as well as to draw the notice of the world upon their differences to expose him to the malinterpretation and enmity of their family connections and create a party against his interests not for a moment however did he feel tempted to swerve from his generous intentions in her favour he even tried to persuade himself that his own unguarded violence in their last interview afforded a pretext for her present animosity but as her letter expressed a determination to hold no communication with him in person or by letter till the great question of the will should have been legally decided it was the opinion of his friends that he must not at present hazard the attempt dr grant reluctantly consented to proceed in his stead to maudsley hall and lay before her the wishes and projects of her son but at this interview mrs armytage showed herself even more inflexible than might have been anticipated although on hearing dr grant's opinion that the validity of mr maudsley's will was unimpregnable even the worldly wise sir john strenuously advised her to come to terms with the heir and take the goods the gods seemed disposed to provide her she would listen to no proposals of compromise she had instructed messrs pennett and nebwell to hold themselves in readiness for examination and resistance when the will might be tendered for probate the law was to be her criterion her alpha and omega either she would reign by right at holywell or set foot within its gates no more if defeated she would accept the dower provided for her by her father's vacillating sense of justice not a shilling more not a shilling from her son she did not however lack discernment to discover the mean-spirited embarrassment of her baronet kinsman at being thus involved in family discords still regarding himself so long as arthur armytage remained sonless as heir presumptive to holywell it was essential to him whatsoever king might reign over the estate to remain planted on the footsteps of the throne and very heartily did he wish and very plainly make his wish apparent that mrs armytage had chosen to set up her rest on other territories than his own it was his intention still to pass his doncaster week at holywell and the high-minded lady no sooner discovered his sneaking overtures of amity to arthur 
than she departed for london that vast emporium of universal selfishness where a man's banker stands him in lieu of family and friends and the ties of consanguinity are superseded by the bonds of chile and peru yet even amid the hospitable courtesies of fenton's hotel came the sense of loneliness of the lack of human love reminiscences of the daughter she had sacrificed the son she had rejected and amid them all the sentence of messrs pennett and nebwell of essex street strand that lushington swaby and a whole legion of high practitioners of the black art had decided her father's will to be valid and operative in every point of law to the probability of such a consummation mrs armytage had wantonly blinded herself strong-minded as she was her insane sense of self-consequence had overpowered her usual discrimination she had not reckoned it among the possibilities of things that she could be degraded from her high estate she had ruled her father husband son daughter controlled a parish influenced a county she fancied herself a match for destiny itself and now how pitiful a change diminished to that shadow of a shade a jointed dowager without a home without authority without influence what vestige remained of all the elements of her former pride the very domestics of her days of grandeur too old and decrepit to adhere to her fallen fortunes had vanished away into several homes of their own to rest from their labours and enjoy the fruits of their long servitude dr grant and lord rotherham had mortally offended her by showing themselves the friends of her son the maudsleys she regarded as pitiful apostates the very marinhams and at present she knew not the cause of their preoccupation had given her no sign or token of interest from the moment of her quitting holywell the whole world had deserted her the whole world had rejected her her haughtiness had met with its reward she had sowed the wind to reap the whirlwind but this was not all dr grant had not been premature in remarking to arthur when addressing him at scarborough a melancholy change in his mother's health and appearance she was indeed suffering from one of the most painful of physical afflictions a trifling accident sustained in the course of her attendance on sophia had developed a latent tendency to disease and when the peaceful departure of her daughter at length afforded her leisure to consider ailments of her own mrs armytage recognised in herself and recognised with joy the symptoms of a mortal disorder it was at the moment of that discovery she had written to arthur in so mild a spirit towards himself his wife and his child inviting their return from scarborough to holywell at this period she did not wish to live although nothing would have forced from her lips a confession of repentance the consciousness of her own unintentionable but blamable ministry in the death of her child weighed heavily on her soul and neither arthur nor even rainsford could revile her former obstinacy more bitterly than in the moments of solitude she was tempted to revile herself till sophia had departed from her 
she had not been aware of half the happiness to be derived from companionship with that gentle being from the moment of her husband's death her daughter had scarcely been parted an hour from her side and though mrs armytage's loftiness of spirit seemed to elevate her high above all sympathy with the timid girl as the giant oak above all consciousness of the fragrant violet blooming at its root yet now that the flower was withered the tree seemed desolate for winter was around its leafless boughs recognising all this she had been content to die but suddenly the scene was changed even the indignation excited against marian by mr wemmersley's exaggerated and mischievous representations had wrought an alteration in her feelings the notion that when she was gone the name of mrs armytage of holywell would be worn by a corrupt and shameless woman inspired her with the desire of recovery but when she found her kingdom taken from her and felt herself an object of commiseration to the world she trembled lest quick following symptoms of decay should induce her former friends to fancy she was sinking a victim to change of circumstances even to the very verge of the shadow of death she was pursued by the instigations of her haughty temper no she would exclaim as she paced the cheerless solitude of her drawing-room at fenton's they shall not say i was overcome by mortification consideration for the feelings of others prevented my disclosing the precarious state of my health before i was cast out upon the world by my son i will not declare it now as if to render myself an object of compassion i will live till the great wonder of mrs armytage's humiliation is forgotten i will live that none may triumph over my seeming feebleness of mind an operation they say may prolong my life a little month ago and i should have scorned the attempt but now existence has acquired value in my eyes a life of agony were welcome compared with the certainty that every fool would cry out over my grave she fretted for her loss of fortune she had not fortitude to survive her humiliation tortured by pain and still more by the efforts necessary to repress its expression she rejected with hourly increasing bitterness every affectionate every submissive overture of her son till arthur unaware of any peculiarly existing cause at length coincided in the opinion of his friends dr grant and the earl that he should leave her unmolested to recover the effects of the stunning blow she had undergone then try the effect of a sudden personal interview he therefore desisted from his importunities the rotherhams ceased to write dr grant was silent through life mrs armytage had kept aloof from london and its coteries and even had she been now inclined to renew the ties of scattered acquaintanceship the town was still empty still deserted she knew no one was visited by no one her medical attendant to whom alone her afflicting sufferings were divulged daily advised her to seek the relief of cheerful society without for an instant suspecting that a woman of distinguished family and fortune 
could find it more difficult to realise his moral prescription than his recipes for decoctions of iodine or belladonna while her lawyer compassionating his client's manifest isolation and relieved in his personal awe of mrs armytage to the amount of thirteen thousand four hundred pounds and a fraction per annum ventured to take the liberty of leaving mrs samuel nebwell's visiting-card on her table with an invitation to a family dinner in southampton buildings it was not however these degradations which in the course of a week or two determined mrs armytage without further announcement to her friends and family to depart for the continent she wished to be out of the way of observation she wished to be still more lonesomely alone aware that the french practitioners are said to exercise peculiar skill in the operation to which she had determined to subject herself she resolved that it should be performed by a stranger and among strangers she made preparations for immediate departure to paris and with all her misanthropic gloominess of spirit it did for a moment chill her to the heart when her personal attendant she who for five-and-twenty years had been her diligent handmaiden refused to be the companion of her mistress's foreign expedition and expressed a determination to retire from her service i am now alone was the ejaculation of mrs armytage as she stationed herself on the deck of the vessel that was to bear her from the native land in which she had so long prided herself the land which contained the birthplace of her fathers the grave of her child alone utterly alone diseased dishonoured without so much as a dog that caressed me in my days of prosperity to follow me into exile no matter the soul within me is still mighty to struggle with my enemies no one shall boast of having triumphed over my spirit no one shall boast of having witnessed a sense of humiliation in caroline armytage end of volume three chapter twenty